Hello and welcome to the Chiropractic Compass podcast, providing a navigational beacon for the present and the future of chiropractic. This podcast is brought to you by the legendary chiropractor online community built for and with the prospective chiropractic student, current chiropractic student, and even doctor out in the field in mind. I'm your host, Johnny Ruder, and today we're talking about pros and cons of dropping insurance, getting hyper-involved in your community, where the profession is heading, the International Federation of Chiropractors and Organizations, and Sushi. all here on the Chiropractic Compass podcast with your host, Johnny Ruder, and our guest today, Dr. Ryan Bones. While you're doing your everyday online shopping, be sure to check out thelegendarychiropractor.com forward slash shop for all of your chiropractic apparel, including our classic logo tee and our amazing, intricately designed chiropractic legends tee with five chiropractic legends on it, including Dee Palmer, BJ Palmer, Fred Barge, James Sigafoos, and Reggie Gold. Thank you for allowing this brief disruption to take place. And now back to the program. There we go. Sweet. We are officially live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Chiropractic Compass podcast and Facebook Lives brought to you by the Legendary Chiropractor online community. I'm your host, Johnny Ruder, and today we are talking and have the opportunity to speak and hear from the invincible Dr. Ryan Bones. <laughs> Dr. Ryan Good Bones, afternoon, Johnny. How you doing, Doc? Um, I know you have a lot of content that you want to go through and offer for students and docs, and we are going to roll with it. And so Dr. Ryan Bones graduated from Parker University in Dallas, Texas, and he is a practicing chiropractor in Idaho. And he is, I'm not sure how many years out of school, but very little years out of school, three, and he's absolutely crushing it where he's at. Um, I'll let him share a little bit about how he got to where he is, how he found chiropractic. But to say the least, this is someone you want to follow. This is somebody that you want to have in your back pocket as a resource and always keep in the front of your mind when it comes to business, when it comes to systems, and when it comes to social media and getting out there and getting in your community. So without further ado, Doc, I want to have you have the platform, give you the platform to introduce yourself, share your accolades, and tell everybody how you got into this incredible profession of chiropractic. Wow. Well, first of all, that was quite the intro already. <laughs> uh, so thank you. Much appreciated. My ego it. is, I think, big enough as it is, especially if you, <laughs> you ask my wife. You got to fit out the door, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yes, I am in fact Dr. Ryan Bones. Um, I'm guessing you just said Idaho because you didn't know how to pronounce Coeur d'Alene and you didn't want to butcher it on air. I, I did not. I did not want to butcher it. I did know how to say it. I will. I will throw that out there. I did know how to say it. Okay. All right. All right. I try. You've heard me say it before. So. I have. Yes. Uh, uh, so yes, I practice in beautiful Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which is way up in the chimney of Idaho. It is not potato country. It is mountains and lakes and trees, and it is absolutely stunning and beautiful. Um, I, don't, I do not hail from here. I hail from rural South Dakota. So shout out to anybody that has any South Dakota ties, which is normally absolutely nobody. <laughs> uh, and uh, then I went to undergrad at Nebraska, did my doctorate at Parker, and uh, spent some of the better parts of my years at both uh, in undergrad as a chiropractic assistant, 
which really kind of confirmed that this is 100% where I wanted to be with my life. Um, but it actually started even before that when I was like 12 or 13 years old. Um, I do not come from a chiropractic family. I come from a, a very long line of farmers. Uh, we have a big farm and ranch out in uh, eastern South Dakota in the middle of nowhere and uh, grew up a farm boy and a ranch hand. And uh, so if you, if you need to build a good square railroad tie barbed wire fence corner, I got you. Um, I'll give you a call soon. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. Uh, but I realized pretty early that I love people and I wanted to work with people. And uh, I was always kind of a black sheep on the farm. I was the one that uh, I didn't want to drive a pickup. I wanted to drive a nice car. Uh, I liked to dress nice. I liked to be clean. I uh, did not listen to country music. And so uh, I never really fit in there on the farm and the ranch. Uh, I found chiropractic actually when I took a charge playing basketball when I was in like third grade. Mm. Uh, my tiny little town of a thousand people thankfully had an awesome chiropractor, um, old school Palmer grad who kind of took me under his wing and really almost sort of groomed me towards chiropractic and really planted the seed pretty early. Um, and then when I started trying to figure out what the hell I wanted to do with my life, uh, when I was like 11, which is weird, um, 12, chiropractic really clicked for me. Yeah. Um, I've always wanted to own my own business. I've always wanted to set my own hours, be able to help people live better lives, but be able to make all my kids, you know, t-ball games or whatever it may be. So chiropractic really clicked for me. Uh, then I went to, like I said, went to Nebraska, worked as a chiropractic assistant uh, for Dr. Pete Wavers at Lincoln Chiropractic Center. Awesome. Uh, and that is where I got to finally like see other people experiencing the miracles that we know happened through the detection and correction of vertebral subluxation. And I got to see families heal and give have lives returned to people um, firsthand for three years. Mm -hmm. And I that is where truly the fire lit for chiropractic. Um, then going down to Parker, I had the opportunity to shadow for lots of great offices and, and screen for offices and had really great mentors uh, that helped me come out of school and be successful right out of school, which is something that you don't see that often, yeah. um, sadly, which is something that I, I'm kind of on a mission to change now. Um, but it was it was because of the preparation that I put in while I was in school that I was uh, able to walk across the stage um, with my office lease signed, my business lease signed, my new apartment lease signed, a load of U-Haul, drive to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, where I didn't know a single person. And three months later, uh, Beyond Bones Chiropractic opened uh, to the tune of um, about 100, I went 103 people pre-booked when we opened. That was kind of my initial, like, come blow onto the scene um, where I kind of made a name for myself, if you will. Um, I also, while I was at Parker, was a, had the awesome opportunity to do my first TEDx talk, awesome. uh, which I, I did called Dr. You, um, <laughs> understanding the power uh, that we all have within us, right? And talking about innate intelligence at TEDx SMU, that was 2015. Yeah, it was 2015, um, which was, go check it out on YouTube. You can see how incredibly nervous I was. Yeah. Um, that was actually really my first like public, big public speaking thing. Um, since then, I've been able to do a second TEDx talk at TEDx Coeur d'Alene, where I talked about millennials and our entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, it was my first TEDx talk that actually got me noticed by 
um, the the genius, the crazy mad scientist himself, Tristan Schaub. Uh, <laughs> I had always loved Kairo Sushi for its content, for its hilarious memes. Um, and I remember one night, it was like two in the morning, that um, Kairo Sushi commented back on a comment I made in one of the posts. And so I was like, oh my gosh. So I messaged them really quick because I said, like, oh, they're online right now. <laughs> and uh, commented back and said, hey, I really love your stuff. Like, I have a whole folder of you guys' memes. Like, you guys do really, really great stuff. Thank you for being a fresh voice in chiropractic. And uh, Tristan was on the other end of the line and he wrote back. Uh, we, we, began, we began sort of like a bromance, uh, <laughs> a long distance bromance where he then interviewed me um, for a podcast or for a, for a live like this. Um, he was, I guess, kind of impressed with what I brought to the table because a few months later, he gave me a phone call and said, I want you to be the Oprah to my Stedman. <laughs> you can ask him. Those are literally his words. I don't, I'm not surprised at um, all. <laughs> and, uh, and he wanted me to be uh, president and co-owner of Kairo Sushi at the time, which – I graciously accepted, uh, as I was only a year into practice, it was a lot to take on with, as, as well as growing or trying to more so trying to hold on to the reins mm-hmm. of an exploding practice here in Coeur d'Alene, um, and not overdo it with myself, which I'm, I'm really good at doing, <laughs> uh, and so I was president of Cairo Sushi for about two years. Um, we had our first Cairo Sushi Summit about two three, two or three months um, after I came on as president. I'd never met Tristan actually in person, um, yet we co-owned a company and I was president of it together. <laughs> we met in Vegas for the first Cairo Sushi Summit. Um, we kind of made a name for ourselves with that. We had Grant Cardone there. We, had a, it, we blew it out. We had an awesome party and it was a, it was a fantastic success. Um, we did a lot the next year, launching the Samurai Mentorship Program, uh, then came back and we had our second the Kairo Sushi Summer Camp, uh, which had some other fantastic names, Brian Tracy, um, J.P. Sears, among others. And so that was another fantastic event. Um, last year I was kind of my year of speaking. I uh, went everywhere from Mile High to Focus to Vegas um, and to Life University, where I met you. <laughs> yep. uh, I, I was offered a position uh, as adjunct faculty to teach the business capstone two course once a quarter at life university, which now I'm going on, I think my sixth, sixth or seventh quarter here awesome. coming up in a few weeks. Awesome. Uh, and after that, towards the end of last year, fall of last year, Kairo Sushi was actually acquired by Sean and Lacey Dill and black diamond enterprises. And so, um, I now have trans transformed a little bit more into a student focused role with Kairo Sushi, where my wife Cassidy and I are help leading up student uh, student program, and we have some big student initiatives in the works. Um, while Tristan and Sean and Lacey have grown it to uh, bigger and more powerful and more fantastic status than ever before, uh, leading up to the second Kairo Sushi summer camp here in Miami in the at the end of June. If you don't have your tickets yet, highly suggest checking it out because we have. Some crazy names coming down to that. Um, and it is going to be truly an entrepreneurial summit, not uh, actually a chiropractic event. One of my best friends from here in Coeur d'Alene, who's an electrician and owns his own electric company, is actually coming awesome. just to learn. Awesome. Uh, and so that has been the roller coaster that has been the last few years of my life. Um, tack on meeting the love of my life and marrying my wife, Cassidy, 
she came into the practice about a year and a half after we opened. Um, so about a year and a half after I met her and took on the practice manager roles. Um, we have since had associates and we have grown and uh, won best of in our local community. And it's been a fantastic ride. Uh, it is honestly the best analogy I can come up with. It's been like a snowball that I don't know how I got on top of. <laughs> and I'm just praying to God I don't fall off and hoping that I don't get rolled up in it. Um, and so meanwhile, along the way, trying to give back and reach back to the others coming up behind me so that they may uh, stand on my shoulders and become even more gigantic. Yeah, absolutely. What I mean, you got a lot behind you and a lot ahead of you as well, Doc. I, I'm very impressed by your accolades. I'm very impressed by all that you've done in the last three, Shucks. three and a half years. I mean, with went from Cairo Sushi to opening your own practice to being involved in your own consulting company and IFCO and all of these different things. It, it, and I want to, for the viewers out there watching this, especially the students, to understand that's where, you know, you mentioned that you're kind of taking on more of a student role now. Yeah. But, you know, when you when you came and taught the Capstone 2 class, it was like, that's all you cared about was the student the student aspect, how we got to where where you are and further and how we go about, you know, opening a successful practice day one. And that's the most important thing. So understand that Dr. Bones is a very student centric person. And he will talk more a little bit at the end, probably about yeah. IFCO student stuff and Cairo Sushi yep. student stuff yep. and all that. So we'll save that until the end because I want to start diving into topics, content, value, yeah. because I know you have a ton, ton to offer. So with that being said, content that we're covering today, I'm just going to bullet point list it out and then I'll circle back to the first cool. one and I'll let you speak on it. How does that sound, Doc? Sounds good. Awesome. So we got pros and cons of dropping insurance, getting hyper involved in your community, where the profession is heading, and obviously IFCO and Cairo Sushi. So with all of that behind us and those topics, I want you to speak a little bit about your insurance experience. How has it changed your office for the, for the good, the bad, and the ugly, and why did you drop it? Man, okay. <laughs> this is a lot of stuff. It's a big this question. Is gonna, this, gonna be, this is going to be a good one. Yeah, Th there's going to be no shortage of uh, of content in this podcast. I should have made some tea. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, all right. So insurance. When I was coming out of school, um, I really had a long struggle mentally about whether or not I wanted to start out taking insurance or not. Um. It, it took me, honestly, it took me months through the build out and through everything. I, I mean, I talked to so many people. Um, I was trying to get a feel for how my networking was going to see kind of where we were going to start out as a practice and like, where we going to be able to sustain this and pros and cons and talking to mom and dad and mentors and, and friends and colleagues. And, um, it, it really, honestly, it was a hard freaking decision. Um, when I first opened, I did decide to accept almost all insurances and bill directly. Um, at the time we yeah, coming out brand new, I was by myself. Um, I, I ended up hiring two basically kind of like front desk, um, CAs that helped me in the week before I opened and then helped me in the first couple months of practice. Um, and then one stayed with me for a couple years, but they did not know how to do insurance. I did not know how to do insurance. Um, and so we banked on, the expertise of a third party billing service 
um, in chiropractic. And that was all good and well, I think, in theory. Um, what I found was a couple things. Number one, when I was first opening, I do think it was a, a an advantage that helped me build momentum um, where I could tell anybody, like, yes, like we accept your insurance. We'll do a benefits check. We'll bill directly for you, um, and we'll, we'll take care of all of that. It helped more people, I'm sure, book and say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, however, by me as the practitioner and as the owner of the practice, not fully understanding the intricacies of what it meant to take insurance and what that involved, mm-hmm. I effed up the intricacies of what it meant to take insurance and what that involved. Mm-hmm. I effed up a lot of stuff. Uh, my team effed up a lot of stuff. Um, we did not, we, we were getting benefits over the phone. Um, we gave the, the best estimate that we could to people. Um, because as anyone who does insurance knows, plans are very complicated. There's a lot of different rules and exceptions and pre-authorizations and all these things. Uh, we were really bad at estimating that when we first started opening. Um, it was, it was kind of a nightmare. Uh, we, for example, like I, uh, there's a number of cases where my team did not acquire pre-authorizations, uh, when we first started, which meant that after we did all this care for people, um, we got paid $0 mm-hmm. and they were responsible for $0. And so we got $0. Uh, that's hard when you're opening a new practice. Yeah. Um, we had the insurance billers that we were working with at the time. They were working with us, um, to try to coach us on some of this stuff, but it's, it was hard being overwhelmed with a new, very busy practice, which is great. Um, I was great at all of the external stuff, the marketing, building value, building community, building network, bringing people in, building confidence. Um, and I was great at the chiropractic adjustment and delivering my service. It was a lot of the, what I call the boring details um, that actually make or break a practice behind the scenes that I wasn't very good at and kind of overlooked and took for granted uh, that ended up really kind of coming back to bite me in the ass as I figured out, like, holy crap, my accounts receivable is a freaking dumpster fire. <laughs> and and I, don't, I don't know who owes me money. I don't know who I owe money. I don't know when insurance checks are coming in. I don't know what's been billed out. I have no freaking clue what's going on. Um, thankfully, this is about the time that uh, Cassidy and I had been dating for just a little bit. That's my wife. She, uh, her background is real estate. She started and ran a real estate team in neighboring Spokane. Um, but she was very, very good, is very, very good at the spreadsheets, at the details, the data, the numbers crunching and that, that stuff. Um, so she started kind of volunteering, if you will, in the practice, like at at seven o'clock at night after her long day to try to help me put out this dumpster fire, uh, (laughs) and did a lot of work, kind of saved, saved me in a lot of ways. Um, but we were realizing that there was so much going on with the insurance game that not only did we just not like fully understand that what we were getting ourselves into, um, but also that was really restrictive on what we could do, what we, what we couldn't do, um, what, what we got reimbursed for, what we didn't get reimbursed for, how we had to do obviously coding properly and all these different things. Um, it really became a huge deal to try to fully understand what was going on so that we could just wrap our heads around it and make sure we were doing it correctly and legally and everything along the way. Um, in doing so, 
she started basically finding some discrepancies, if you will, in what had been billed, what had been paid, what had not been. Um, and so we started asking some questions to the to the billing service that we were with at the time. Um, and to this day, we still don't know exactly what happened, mm. but we realized um, that there was a number of months where approximately about half of our claims got billed out to the insurance company. Um, but they'd said, they said they were billed out in, on our side of the software. Um, and so we ended up cutting ties with that billing service. And which, which if you think about this, um, being that we are at the time probably, I don't know, 50 or so percent, maybe 60% insurance revenue based, mm-hmm. uh, not only had we only been billing half of that for the last few months, Jeez. meanwhile, we have a big office and a big overhead and, and staff to pay and bills to pay. Um, but once we once we cut ties with that billing service, we had nobody billing our insurance. So right. we had zero going out, um, seeing about how, over half your revenue kind of basically disappearing overnight because it simply wasn't getting submitted. Yeah, um, that was I mean, that was a that was a big deal for us. That was it was also right around the time of our wedding. So it's not like we had any other stress going on. whatsoever. <laughs> um, but it was a it was a it was really it was a huge challenge for us. And Cassidy deserves almost all of the credit. Um, she went back through and audited every single patient file that we have, looked at what had been built, called the insurance companies directly, asking what dates of service they had, what they didn't, basically figured out the entire giant ball of yarn that was our insurance billing and in, in this debacle. Um, and meanwhile, learned how to bill insurance, got us set up with a new, a new, a different, just basically a clearing house that scrubbed claims before they submitted them. She did all that took on personally, all the insurance billing, um, learned how to do that and, and got it submitted. Um, which means that we, there was about a month and a half or so that we had zero claims billed out because she was writing wrongs, putting out fires and figuring out what the heck to do. Yeah. Uh, once, she did that. That was it was great because now we had essentially all these claims that had never gotten submitted that were suddenly submitted and now we we're waiting for things. Um, but then she had to go through the flurry of denials for this and didn't have the right paperwork for that and this they didn't submit this and this was whatever whatever right. Um, all in all, it ended up being just a huge kind of black spot on what was our kind of second year in practice. Um, that was a huge obstacle for us to overcome both as a practice and as a couple, mm-hmm. a newly married couple, frankly, um, that we did. And once we got it figured out, we looked back and said, man, why are we doing this? Like, why are we playing this game? Why are we begging at third party reimbursement when we have practice members on a week waiting list to get into this office because of the value that we've built in the community um, and because of the relationships that we've built, why are we subjecting ourselves to this? Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, I have to give a shout out to Sean and Lacey, um, Sean Dillon, Lacey book of black diamond club, because they were in our ears and, and helping mentor us through a lot of this, as was Tristan. Um, basically they, they built, they gave us the confidence to say, you guys are worth more than the twenty six dollars uh, Aetna gives us gave us an adjustment. Yeah. When our, you know, our cash fee is sixty dollars, the allowed amount to be in network with Aetna at the time was twenty six. So we were taking a fifty percent hit on every single Aetna adjustment that we were giving. Right. Um, 
it was not that far different with United Healthcare or Regents or Blue Cross Blue Shield or all these other networks that we were in in network with. A lot of the students don't realize, but basically, to be in network with insurance company, you're kind of dare I say selling your soul a little bit mm-hmm. um, because you're saying I'm worth what you determine I am worth. Yeah. You know, I, I say I'm worth $60 in adjustment, but you determine I am worth 32. You know what? Here it is. I'm signing on the dotted line to agree that I'm only worth $32 in adjustment based on, you know, however many you think that they should have. And what if you, if you guys say that that's okay, that they get adjusted here and that, you know, you're going to accept their claim. Mm-hmm. Um, which really puts you in handcuffs and puts you in shackles and uh, limits what you can do, how you can do it, and the value that you can build. Um, and also just really kind of puts the insurance company between you and your patient. Mm-hmm. And when you're caring for patients, there should be nothing and no one blocking you from just simply doing your absolute best to serve that patient the best way possible. Yeah. Uh, and so it was about that time that we decided that we were going to get out of the insurance game. Um, we, like I said, had the value built mm-hmm. in the services that we provided, the, the experience that we provided, um, in our name, in our brand, in our community presence. And so we didn't, we didn't require insurance to send us patients or to be on their network. Like it didn't matter anymore mm-hmm. because, because of the work, and I'll get into this in a minute, because of the work I had put in being hyper involved in the community, nobody came to Beyond Bones Chiropractic because it was the best deal. Nobody came to Beyond Bones Chiropractic because their insurance was accepted here. Mm -hmm. People come to Beyond Bones Chiropractic because they freaking wouldn't go anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. And when you have built that authority in your community, it doesn't matter if you're in or out of network. It doesn't matter if you take their insurance or not. People call and wait to get into your practice uh, for the opportunity to – receive the services that you deliver. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and so many people have a scarcity mindset about, um, you know, people aren't gonna be able to afford me. Um, there's other chiropractors that take insurance, man, none of that matters. It all matters about the value that you build in yourself to your community because your competition is not the chiropractor down the street. Right. Your competition is 500 channels. Yeah. Your competition is their daily coffee, their hair getting done, the new watch. That's your competition. Yeah. And so if you can build more value in those things and build value in a fully functioning nervous system and living life subluxation free, which that's what you need to start practicing is how to communicate and deliver that value to people right now as students. Um, if you can do that in your community, you're going to have a line out the door. Yeah. And so that made us decide, you know what, we're not playing this game anymore. Uh, we're, we started phasing out insurance networks. Um, we just, you, most of the time you just have to submit a letter to them and say, I'm going to be out of network. Normally there's like a 30 or 60 day waiting period. Some of them had a little bit longer. Um, and so we actually just celebrated, uh, on May 1st, our first day, um, commercial insurance free. Awesome. Um, we, we did make the decision to stay in network Medicare for the ridiculous amount of guidelines that is stipulated there for being in or out of network and how you can see people or how you don't see people. Um, that is the one that we have kept is Medicare solely for that reason, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be for at least the time being anyways. Um, but everywhere else we are out of network, which um, is an incredible feeling of not just freedom, but of clarity and certainty yeah. in that when I tell somebody, this is what I'm going to do for you. This is how I'm going to do it. This is my fee. Mm-hmm. That's all there is. Right. Like my fee is my fee. My service is my service. I am. Go- there is nobody standing between me and you 
and the ability to care for you. Mm-hmm. Your My relationship is with you and you directly. Your relationship is with you and your insurance provider and you as their client, and that's it. Yeah. You pay my fee. You will we'll, we'll give you uh, a lot of people call it a super bill. Uh, I pref- we prefer the term detailed reimbursement receipt mm-hmm. because I don't know anybody who likes uh, to receive a super bill. Uh, <laughs> it's it's pretty like, negative. Super bill? Like, I don't want a super bill. Uh, and so it's a reimbursement receipt. Um, and so they'll get that. They can submit it in an envelope and send it to their insurance company and be reimbursed directly based on their policy. Because frankly, their policy and their benefits is between them and their insurance company. Like, it's not our fault. The other thing that was a huge factor of not wanting to be in network with insurance that I don't think a lot of people will actually talk about um, because it's not your obvious one is the, the shit that we got, and I'll be very raw if I may. Uh, Yes, um, absolutely. (laughs) The shit that we got, particularly Cassidy, not even me, um, because I'm the provider. Uh, you know, I got to say, oh, I don't know about, you know, like Cassidy handles the insurance stuff, right? And I got that luxury. Um, but if you come to our practice, you know, and you are on maintenance or wellness care and that's not covered by your insurance program or your insurance plan, um, when, when somebody, you know, we, and we try to expl- we explain that as best as we possibly can to people, but there are so many times where there's confusion. A practice member calls their insurance company, their insurance company comes, tells them some bullshit like, oh, no, that should be covered. All they have to do is, you know, use this code. Mm-hmm. Well, dumbass, that's an active care code. Like, they're not on active care. They're on wellness care. We're using the proper code. We're not going to be fraudulent right. to try to get your stuff covered, right? right. Like, we're going to use the proper code. Um, and they come back and they say, well, my insurance said this should be covered. Mm-hmm. It's your fault. You know, so when there, when there's a, when there's a misunderstanding or when their insurance doesn't cover somebody, guess whose fault it is? Yours. <laughs> Cassidy's. Yeah, or hers. Right. Yeah. 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 But ours. Yeah. Ours. And that's bullshit. Because right. what your plan does or does not cover, we have no control over that. That's not our thing. Our thing is our service. Mm-hmm. And so we had people, you know, because of, again, we did our best to explain how that works and how the benefits is going to work. But inevitably, a lot of times people are in pain. They're not really listening about the finance part anyway. They just, hey, like, let's get started. Uh, but we try to re- reiterate that. But there's confusion, and they get fed a line from their insurance company. They come in, and they they yell at us about yeah. how what we're doing is completely wrong by coding correctly and actually, believe it or not, making them pay for their service. Um, <laughs> and so it was very, very stressful. It was very – it created a lot of tension in Cassidy to the point where – I mean there were times when like – Kesty would want to go out in her car and cry because somebody came in and yelled at her for something that she had, had nothing to do with her. Right. And had, and we were we were bending over backwards to try to do our best to take care of people and you know get get people's stuff covered if if it's at all possible whatever we may do, and then to get ripped on um was it was bullshit. Yeah. And so I I even saw it in her um where I was like she she's not gonna sustain this like this is not sustainable. Um, because there was a point where she, like, she didn't want to come to the practice anymore mm-hmm. because she was just tired of the game that it was. Yeah. Um, and so that's just not something I don't think a lot of people talk about. But, uh, now that we're out of that, it's not our responsibility anymore. My responsibility, our responsibility is solely to deliver the best possible care and the best possible service to our practice members. What gets reimbursed between, is between you and your insurance company, man. If you're going to yell at somebody, yell at them for not having better 
out-of-network benefits or, or whatever it may be. Right, right. Uh, and so it was, it's been a process. It's been about a year in the making to transition out of insurance. Um, you know, here we are. We just celebrated our three-year anniversary. So we were in network for about two years. Well, three years because we just went over it maybe. Right, right. Uh, and so it was, it's been a process. It's been about a year in the making to transition out of insurance. Um, you know, here we are. We just celebrated our three-year anniversary. So we were in network for about two years. Well, three years because we just went out. Um, but I have to say, immediately, we can we see the difference mm-hmm. in not only it, it's it's caused it's forced us to really reevaluate our experience, our in-office experience, our adjustment experience, our scheduling experience, absolutely everything. Because we want to make sure people are getting 10 times what they're paying for. Yeah. And that goes everything from not only the power of the adjustment, but from their experience walking in the door mm-hmm. and from their experience with on the phone and their experience in the lobby and, and what, you know, what do we have to offer? Um, you know, if we have drinks for them, if it's a nice place to sit, if we have good music, like everything. Um, because we're, because they're paying for it out of pocket directly. Yeah. Right. So it's been yeah. great for us. We've really stepped up our game. I can tell. Um, but also, it's so much clearer now and I've already seen better compliance in like the, the few, cause we were, we do recommendations and we have care plans. And, and so for the last two or three weeks, the recommendations that we've been making have largely been out of network based. So right. it's been largely cash, cash based for that estimate. Right. Um, and you know what we found? Nobody even blinks an eye, man. Right. Like, nobody seriously and so people that's one of the things people are so afraid of like i take insurance if i don't take insurance people are going to leave if people are going to your office because you're in network with their insurance and not because of the quality of care that you provide you need to take a good hard look at what you're doing Mm -hmm. yeah because if you if people come to you because you're the cheapest as soon as someone opens across the street that's a dollar cheaper they'll go somewhere else yeah but if people come to you because you're the best and because you've built relationships with them and, and put roots down in your community and built up the authority that you have uh, in your community, then it doesn't matter as long as you can find a way to make it budgetable and affordable for them to have care in your office, they're going to come to you. Absolutely. And so lose that lack mentality, I, I tell people. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Great stuff, Doc. <laughs> Sorry. Great. No, right, that was – my- on that. that was great so, stuff. So, but I want I want people to see, you know, the authenticity, the the realism behind all that because there is a lot to running a practice that I don't think we learn in school. And there's a lot that comes with it, like insurance, like dealing with getting patients in the door and it, it's it ha- it doesn't have to come to that bridge of like do I have to take this? Do I not have to take this? Make what would you what would you tell? I wrote down a question like, um, how would you encourage someone coming out of school or a new doc to learn this if they want to actually bill insurance? So like, if they are like, I I'm billing insurance because you know my chiropractor bill insurance, his chiropractor, whatever. If they want to do it, how do they go about learning it? And then we'll talk about the flip side of that after you're done answering that. You know, this is a really good question. The best. The best thought I could have outside of, I mean, a lot of personal research and, and reading articles and reading books. And I, like there are classes for that if you want to go so far. Um, I think the easiest and maybe the first step would be find an office in your area that bills their insurance and just spend time in the office watching them do it and asking questions. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's 
frankly, like, like there may be some offices that are very closed doors about that. I, I would warn you that maybe there's something there that you shouldn't be learning then in the yeah. first place. Um, <laughs> most of the time, like if a chiropractic student came in and said, hey, could you, you know, could I just watch you as you bill insurance? And could you explain the process? Hell yes. Yeah. Come on in, man. Spend some time. You can spend time back with Cassidy looking at freaking EOBs. Right. Like if that's really what you want to do. <laughs> but, but I would encourage it should be what you want to do if you want to take insurance. Yeah. Because what we found once we learned how to do it, it's really not tough. It's like it's not it's not that time consuming. It is time consuming and it, it is difficult because there's a lot of steps to learn. Um, but there's a lot of technology that makes it easier. There's there's some clearinghouses kind of softwares that you can work with that makes it easier. Um, your your Cairo Touch or Platinum or whatever you know EHR you're using has systems to help make it easier. Um, and it is it is doable. It is learnable. Yeah. Uh, we have been doing it for the last you know year year and a half. Um, and so I would just shadow in an office and learn from somebody who is doing it to get a general feel um, because you'll learn more that way than you probably would ev- will ever learn in school. Yeah. And I think you I think you answered the flip side. I just wanted to get the other perspective too like cuz I think you answered the flip side of that of like you know, we were in insurance for two and a half, three years and then we kind of were weeding out of it, which is perfectly fine and awesome um because now I think that it flips the script a little bit and it's on your patient experience. It's on your office feel. It's on the culture that you attract into your office versus, you know, like you said, there was a, there was a, a block between you and your patient. Not only if you had to figure out the finances behind like, Hey, we do take your insurance. Here's what we're going to do. But also them getting kicked back and saying, Hey, my insurance isn't covering this yep. and yep. now it's your fault. And then that puts yes. up another barrier. So it's yep. like, it's coming yep. from both angles and that's never what you want in your chiropractic practice. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, it was creating tension and confusion. Um, the best part about being, I'll say 90 now 90% um, cash is the pure simplistic clarity that it provides. From not only from not even a doctor standpoint or a provider standpoint, yeah. but purely from a business standpoint, your accounts receivable and your budget are very important things. Like you need to know when you're getting paid for things. You need to know what you're making versus your overhead. You need to understand if you can um, sponsor that little league team because do, are you going to have the money to do that next month? Right. right? Like those are important business decisions. Yeah. By being cash, that is so much easier. Right. Because now it's whether it's monthly auto debits that you have set up with a practice member, or they make their payment, you know, monthly when they come in. What you know, whatever it may be that you have set up. Guess what? You can call them and you can ask them, hey, like, do you have your payment? Or you like, you, it's just, it's just you and them. That's right. it. Right. When you start trying to factor in an insurance company. And when you're going to get that mailbox money in the, with the check that comes from Blue Cross, AR is so much harder. Yeah. And it becomes so difficult because sometimes it takes three months to, for something to process. And then actually got denied. Joke's on you. So now you got to actually change and add that modifier so that now you can send it back and get it. And then about three, four months later, you'll get that $26 for that adjustment from freaking six months ago. <laughs> yeah. And the Little League's team has moved on to someone else. And they have moved on. Yeah. Now they got your competitor. <laughs> On their chest, and they win the championship. So, <laughs> and they're on national television. So, yeah, they're on, yeah yep. they win all the, they made ESPN, man. 
<laughs> the Cordain Little Leaguers don't have yep. Beyond Bones yep. on their shirts. No, exactly. Because they All miss because an insurance. Of insurance. <laughs> no. Oh, man. I, so from I, wa- I want to share with everyone, like, the fact that you've gone through all of that, you know, in three years is incredible. But you know what, Doc? That it- makes you <laughs> that makes you that much better and that much more, oh, you know, man. not necessarily like more reliable, yes, but also it gives you the experience, the wisdom, the insight to say, Hey, here's the pros, here are the cons, here's what I did at first and why we got out of it or transition. And I think to 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 have students yeah. watch this podcast and really relate to that because it's coming. And I don't care if you watch this podcast a hundred times or one time in you know five years when you're out in chiropractic out of chiropractic school if you're in now and watch this again. I guarantee you there will be people that this video helps tremendously. So thank you well, for thank that. You. Thank you for that insight. I think it's incredible, Doc. Appreciate that. Absolutely. It's hard. It's sometimes hard to appreciate the fire when you're in it yes <laughs> you know um but i look back and i and i realize that you know if we hadn't gone through that whole freaking billing debacle we'd probably still be taking insurance man and you would we'd always question just, it right like you'd always be like I, mm, I wonder if i yep. took insurance if i'd get yep. more people yep. or you know exactly if, exactly yeah exactly you know and we probably wouldn't have as good an office experience because we've really stepped that up you know we all these things yeah and uh it, it just does suck when you're going through it, but looking back, uh, my best friend Phil actually stopped me in my tracks one night when he said, like, "Don't, don't you want to teach students?" And I was like, "Well, yeah." He goes, "Dude, like, no one will ever listen to you if it was always easy for you. Right? Like, where are you gonna? What are you gonna speak on if you, you know, if you started practice with a million dollars in the bank and right. you just bought everything and and it was easy and you just like paid for marketing all the time? Like, what are you gonna teach and who the hell's even gonna listen to you?" Yep. And he's like, this is important because it's helping you help others. And I was like, oh, God, oh, that's true. Shit. <laughs> ah, don't say those words. <laughs> ah, making sense. No, that makes perfect sense, Doc. I love it. So let's move on. Topic number two is getting hyper-involved in your community. And we talked a little bit about this, but I want you to expand because in, in the business class that you teach at Life University – it's important and critical. You talk all about social media marketing. You talk about marketing in general and how yeah. you can get your name, your face, your office, your logo in front of people before you even have an office or you even have your doors open. And I think yeah. that is something that is very important. So go ahead and talk on how you get hyper involved in your community Woo. before getting okay. into practice. All right. Another humongous topic um, <laughs> that I could I could do two podcasts on. Probably a weekend um, seminar but, or something. <laughs> right. Um, uh, all right. So we'll start with this. I think th- let we can split this into a couple different ways. Yeah. Um, a lot of what I'm going to reference is going to be talking about if you're opening your own practice. Um, a lot of it, though, can be translated to if you're going to be an associate um, because you still need to build your name, your brand, your, like your or your practice's brand, um, and build that awareness and build relationships in your community. So if you're if you're not going to open, if you're just going to be an associate or or vice versa, um, just know that they both apply. Yeah. It's just some things will apply differently, right? Um, so pre-marketing is is really what it is. It's the biggest mistake I see a lot of people, a lot of students make, is if they're let's say for example going to open a practice. Um, they move to the community. They're going to open a practice. They, they are, they worry so much about their space. 
they and then they go in and they paint everything and they hammer every nail and they decorate everything and then they they're all excited they got their space done and they open their doors and not a damn person knows who the hell they are yep because they have been in their space swinging the hammer for the last 3 months not out actually meeting people uh and then they wonder first of all where everybody is or now now they struggle because they have open hours, right? Like they need to be there. And so they can't get to stuff all the time. And they got their, you know, five patients spread out over four hours, right? And they're, and they're essentially handcuffed to their desk. Yeah. Um, instead, I highly encourage you to, or the students to think about where their value is best spent. Um, I can promise it's actually probably in the community. And so, there's a series of steps that you need to follow to have the best possible opportunity to do that. Um, number one is you, while that space is being built out, obviously there's cost for that. If you're going to hire a contractor, there's a cost for that, right? Um, if you're you have a painter, architect, electrician, like there are costs for that. Not to mention if you are attending events and doing things full time, you're not working, uh, meaning that there's a cost associated with that. So if you are opening a practice, you're likely, at least at some point, in some fashion, going to have a business loan, big, small, whatever it may be. It is so valuable to put in the amount of money you will need to hire professionals to do things in your space and cover your cost of living for a two, three months as that's happening leading up to your grand opening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would even argue a few months after that, too. Yeah. But that will allow you the freedom, if you will, to go out in your community, to market, to network, to build relationships, do everything you need to do without being handcuffed into your practice, um, allowing professionals to do their thing. You can check, obviously check in, check on the space, make sure things are going well, ask, you know, answer all the questions. And I promise there will be a million and one questions. How high do you want the outlets? Yep. I don't know. Outlet height, right? <laughs> Probably like, just as high like, as the other one. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Like, well, where do you? How many outlets do you need? What 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 color to, are we doing? Taupe or almond uh, on the outlet covers? And I'm like, oh my god, Jesus. Um, so so there's Those a things questions. you don't think so, about though. Yeah, it's things you don't think about, right? Um, so so things you answer your questions, be decisive on that. That's the other piece of advice I can give. Because you know what doesn't make a difference in how much money you're going to make in your practice? Almond or walnut, like what color freaking outlet covers you have. So just, I don't know, pick one blue, fine, go with it. Um, and get, and get open and get your space done. Um, but your time in the community is so valuable and it's not just going to a networking, um, event where you're chucking business cards at people. Why I, why I said become hyper involved in your community and not just hyper marketer in your community, um, is, especially if you're going into a a tighter knit, even like generally like smaller community. Um, You know what people don't love is somebody who comes out and chucks business cards at them and wants to talk about themselves. People want somebody who is there for the community. Uh, People want somebody who is going to be putting roots down and building a business and building a family and learning about how they can help others and lift other people up. So look for opportunities to get involved in programs, on boards, on committees, um, find opportunities to volunteer for things, go to fundraisers and, and lift up others in the community. When you go to events, you should be asking 
10 times more questions than people are asking you. Mm -hmm. You should be asking people not about, hey, do you have back pain? (laughs) What do you do? Right. Oh, that's so cool. How long have you been doing that? How can I get to know you? Um, My best, like the best advice I can make for this is read How to Win Friends and Influence People. Uh, It's an old book. It's a fantastic book. It has stood the test of time for a reason. Uh, I seriously credit so much of why I'm successful to that book because it taught me how to go into any interaction with another human being and walk out of that interaction with them going, I really like that. <laughs> you know? Yep. And people liking you won't get you everything in life, but it'll get you a, a lot more than people not liking you will. Right. Yeah. And so if, if you can build those relationships and build those connections, it doesn't matter if they book an appointment that day. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's not the goal. The goal is for them to know who you are and love and trust you and look at you as a trusted advisor and look at you as somebody they respect mm-hmm. because that's somebody that not only will they go to when the time is right and they cross that that road and they need you, but also that's who they're going to send people to anytime a family member needs somebody or a community member needs somebody or they need – maybe they actually need a board position uh, opened up and they need somebody to fill that. They're going to take you, the trusted advisor, and the person they have a connection with over the guy that fixes low back pain. Yep. And so your job when you're diving into your community when you're new – is not to sell chiropractic. Right. It is not to sell your office, to promote your office. It is to build relationships and build so many connections that you become the the native and favorite son of that community when you've only been there a few months. Mm-hmm. And people show up for those who show up for them. Yeah. So go to other people's grand openings. Go volunteer at other people's things. Donate raffle prizes to things. Um, because as Sean would say, mirror, mirror. If you expect people to come to your grand opening, why would they if you didn't go to theirs? Yeah. Or if you didn't donate a raffle prize to their thing, why would they do it for you? Mm-hmm. Right? And so... Just be careful. Like when you're showing up for people, they'll reciprocate that. Yeah. I mean, that's the universal law. Right. Uh, and so, what I did, very, I guess, from a black and white strategic standpoint, um, which I think is important. I think general concept theory we have here, like that's why you're out there. <laughs> yeah. The how to do it. Um, I took because I had three months. I had three months between the moment I arrived in town and my grand opening date was March 31st. 2016, I arrived basically January 1st. Um, I took every single, well, first of all, I joined four chambers of commerce, which in retrospect was probably excessive. Um, <laughs> probably could have got away with like two or three, but I joined four. Um, and then I took every single community calendar I could find, every single one of them, from the newspaper to Facebook to the chambers to the, to the nursing home, like whatever the frick it was. I took it and I laid them down on top of each other. Um, digitally, right? Um, and I filled like my entire calendar with events. Uh, obviously being wary of, okay, like this one costs money. This one has an entry fee. Like this one's free. This one's free. This one's free. There's a lot of free shit to do in your community that you can just show up, shake hands, kiss babies, get to know people for zero dollars. And it's fantastic. Um, you just got to know where to find it. You just got to look right. and not be afraid to show up. Right. So much of this first three months of pre-marketing is just showing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
I, I laid down all those community calendars. I found the main big events that I was going to, like, I wanted to sponsor the health and wellness fair. Because if you sponsor the health and wellness fair, you get to put materials in the swag bag that everybody, like, that in our community, like, 5,000 people come to and get. It was like $2,000 to sponsor that. If you're running ROI on all the, like, in your head of all of these things that you're trying to make decisions on where to invest, you got to, first of all, estimate, like, what is the cash value of somebody who walks in my door? Mm-hmm. Let's say my app, like, let's say somebody's going to do an average visit. Like, let's say they're going to stay for 20 visits on average and it's a hundred dollars a visit. Okay. Well, that's, oh, wow. Okay. Well, 20 visits, hundred dollars a visit. That's $2,000, right? So that means if the, if one person walks in my door that I estimate I'll return $2,000 on that, do I think I'm going to get one person from a $2,000 investment to sponsor that health and wellness fair and put stuff in all the bags? You're damn right. Yeah. I bet I'll get five people at least right so that's a good roi mm-hmm. and so obviously you you're going to make that decision you're going to do that but then also you're going to track oh hey new patient hey how'd you hear about us oh like your stuff was in the swag bag <laughs> oh wow that's fantastic boom checked it off because now come next year wow i got 15 people from that health and wellness yeah. fair i'm i'm calling them nine months in advance and saying i want that sponsorship spot count me in, put my name on it i'll write you a check tomorrow yeah Right, because I know that that returned 15 times what I spent on it. So, anyways, be careful about that because not everything may be a good investment. Right. Just as, as Sean would say again, just because it's an opportunity doesn't mean that it's an, a good one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I went to freaking everything in those first three months. I look back now, like it probably wasn't worth my $200 to have a booth at the knitting fair. <laughs> like that wasn't my target market. It wasn't <laughs> who I wanted in my practice. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. Ethel is fantastic, um, but she's not my target market. Same with the freaking yellow pages. Some of the worst money that I think I spent when I was opening practice, freaking paying $50 a month over like a year and a half to have a like a bolded little thing in the yellow pages. What the hell was I thinking? <laughs> It was 2016, mind you. It's not even like it was like 10 years ago. Like, you know, people throw out their yellow pages the moment they get it, right? If they um, get it. If they get it. If they get it. Uh, I think I just felt bad for the poor sap selling advertising in the yellow pages. Like, good Lord, that's a rough gig. Um, and so uh, there was a lot of things that I probably would have done a little bit differently, been a little bit more selective. So be careful about where you're spending your money and making sure that you're calculating that estimated return on investment. However, that being said, there is always the benefit, no matter what you do, of visibility and connections, right? Mm -hmm. So my rule when I was doing this, you talked about social media, was if I didn't post about it, it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And so let's say you go to the knitting fair. Let's say you meet one person, Ethel. And um, you are there for five hours and you have met one person. You might look at that and say, man, this is a total freaking loss. Um, I should never have done this. If you take a picture of you at the knitting fair, you post it on your social media, you tag the event or venue or wherever that um, is where that was, you tag, you go around, you meet all the other vendors that are also at the knitting fair, um, you take pictures with all of them, you tag them, say, hey, oh my gosh, I met Ben from Super Yarn, he's awesome, they have the best freaking yarn, um, and you go around, you meet everybody, you take all these pictures, you tag the shit out of everybody that you met, guess what? Now, not only have you built a lot of relationships there at the knitting fair um, of people that, who knows, maybe you're going to have a yarn night at your practice. <laughs> um, 
But you have put yourself in front of not only your social media audience as being involved in meeting cool people, great, but also by tagging them, if you say something halfway complimentary on your post, they're going to say, oh, wow, that's cool, click, accept. And now you're in front of Ben's and Super Yarn's entire Facebook audience yeah. or Instagram audience. Yeah. You do that with 10 or 15 people. Now, 10,000, well, I mean, that's maybe rough. I don't know how popular yarn is. 5,000 people. <laughs> it's a niche, it's a niche environment. It is. It's a niche a market. Um, but 5,000 people saw you, saw your face, saw your practice name, saw that you were doing something in the community. That might be it. They might just see your name or your face one time. Yeah. But if you do that, at all the events that you're at, and you do that often, and maybe they click on your Instagram page, maybe they click follow, maybe they click on your Facebook page, and um, and they click Beyond Bones Chiropractic, and they follow that because you have such good content that you have built in the background of your social media page, which is the whole other discussion. Um, build good content on your page so that if people find it, they actually want to follow it. Yeah. There we go. Um, now... Because they happened to see you on a post two years ago, they started following you, and now two years later, they get in a car accident. Guess who they're going to come to? Yep. They're going to come to you. Yep. So that that knitting fair wasn't a total bust because instead of just sitting there with your you know, twiddling your thumbs, you actually took initiative to go meet people and blast it out over social media um, because it's just it's free publicity. Yeah. How cool is social media? The fact that it's free white space and free advertising, basically, that you get to get when you're using it well. Right. Um, and and so so there is basically what I did. If I didn't post about it, it didn't happen. I did that everywhere. And pretty soon I had people coming up to me going. I follow you on, on Facebook and I have no clue why, but I see everything that you're doing and man, you are everywhere. Who are you? I have to meet you. Right. Like, people would be like at a, in a restaurant and I'm like sitting there eating and they're like, Hey, are you, uh, are you that Dr. Bones? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, man, I, I see you at like all these events. Like I've just recognized your face. You're everywhere. What, who are you? Yeah. Like why? Yeah. And so it became, it became such a, I don't even know, like guerrilla marketing tactic of just being everywhere and being so visible. Right. Everywhere, all the time. I mean, this was not just going to events, but it was being at fundraisers and charities and balls. It was um, being on committees. It was volunteering for things. Um, it was, uh, so I laid down those community calendars, right? Well, obviously there's like blank space. In that blank space, if it was before 5 o'clock on a weekday, that's business hours. Never do something during business hours when you're in this crunch time that you can do outside of business hours. Yeah. Divide your time. You can't make calls or do business to business or set up meetings with people at 2 in the morning. Right. But you can work on your website. Yeah. You can work on your paperwork. You can build your social media. You can do that at 2 in the morning. Right. 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 So be really specific about the times that you're spending and – in those hours, I set up one-on-one -on -one meetings with high-level people in the community. And so I did this by basically, um, I, I, I kind of stalked who are influencers in the community. I did this a few different ways. I started doing it before I ever moved to Coeur d'Alene because I knew I was going to move to Coeur d'Alene a few months before I graduated, and I started following all of Coeur d'Alene's local newspapers, the news channels on Facebook, on Instagram, um, as I would read articles. As I would see people, like I would note 
oh, like Mayor Steve Widmeyer. Yeah. Okay. Mayor Steve Widmeyer. Like, write, write, write it down on my list of people to meet, right? Oh, like, oh, councilman. Write it down on my people, list of people to meet, right? A, a business owner, John Butler. Oh, okay. I write down John Butler, right? right? These are people to meet. And so I'm just following and I'm like stalking my community, future, future community, right. um, from, from a distance to develop a game plan and strategy of how I was going to win it over when I rolled into town. Yeah. Um, like I would, I would compare what I did in three months to freaking Blitzkrieg, um, <laughs> where I was everybody, I was everywhere for everybody, but then I, I had this list. So I actually met, um, somebody like the first night I was here that ended up being like a big influencer. I asked him if I could take him out to lunch. Sure. So we go out to lunch. Um, I have like a list of 50 freaking questions that I'm asking this guy, everything from like, okay, like who should I know in this community? Um, what events should I, should I go to? What group should I be a part of? What should I avoid? How are, how are you successful in this town? What's the, like, what's the culture politically? What's all this like? Right. Um, and then, but my best question when I got done was who are five people that you think I need to meet in this town? And, oh man, you should meet Nick Smoot. You should meet. Uh, this guy, you should meet this guy, right? So that, that's great. You know, I'll, I'll find their information. Would it be okay if I just mentioned that, you know, you recommended that I meet with them? Sure. Awesome. So now, boo boo, I'm typing up my email. Hey, you know, I met with John this last week. Um, and of course, because he's an influencer, the person that we, they know who he is. So hey, I met with John this last week. I'm new to community. Um, I'm going to be, you know, starting a business and starting my family and putting roots down here. He said that you were somebody who I should know who has been very successful in this town. And he thought you might have a few minutes for me that I might be able to ask you a few questions. Would that be okay? Not one single person said no. And I bet I did that a hundred times. Love it. Um, and so I met with them and then I'd ask them who are five people I should know. Who yeah. are five people I should know? You do that over three months. I had people messaging me saying, you've met with all of my circle. What, like, when is my time? Like, when, when do I get to meet? <laughs> and, uh, and that, that alone got me more positions, recognition, speaking opportunity, uh, board interviews, like all this stuff because I was influencing the influencers. So influence influencers, um, of your community, I would say specifically, if you want to narrow it down, of your of your target market, influence the influencers of your target market. Yeah. Um, build connections, build networks, because the influencers. So influence influencers um, of your community. I would say specifically, if you want to narrow it down, of your of your target market, influence the influencers of your target market. Yeah. Um, build connections, build networks, because guess what? If somebody has, in, rather than Saying, hey, can I do a lunch and learn to your to your five employees? How about, hey, um, I'm having my grand opening here in a few weeks. Um, I know, I'm sure you have a pretty big email list built up because you've been in business for 35 years. Uh, would it be okay if, you know, if I wrote up a little blurb about my grand opening? Would you send that out on your email list? Oh, sure, yeah, that would we'd be happy to do that. Yeah, excellent, thanks. Now. <laughs> Freaking 10,000 people just got an invite from somebody that they trust, right. that they have a relationship with, inviting them to come to your grand opening. Right. How much did that cost? Three fifty for a coffee in 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? And so that is, where, that is where you can, you can saturate a market, saturate a community, 
in two months. Yeah. And become the guy. Right. And become and make your name synonymous with chiropractic. Mm-hmm. We have built such a reputation in Coeur d'Alene that basically when you say chiropractic, people say beyond bones. Right. And what has that what that has done? It, because guess what? Of all these people that I met and all these people that came to the grand opening, all these people that you know heard my name, maybe you know one percent have ever came in for an appointment so far, right? However, they all know who I am. Right. And so when their mom needs somebody. They're going to say, oh, you should go to Bones. Mm-hmm. Oh, why? Have you been there? No. I just, I know him, and uh, I know a lot of people, you know, have, have seen great results. I know a lot of people who go there. You should go there. Oh, okay. Do <laughs> you know how many people come in our office, and when we ask, why are you here? They say, because everybody said I had to come here. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and, you know, those people who come in because of that reason, they're not there because we take their insurance. Right. And, and they're not there for any reason besides the fact that this is the only place that they would ever let like let anybody touch their spine. And so the quality of those practice members versus the quality of practice members that you get from your $40 Groupon ad, <laughs> please, day and night difference. Yeah. Well, because those are, those are real relationships, and we, you just talked exactly. all about it. You, you create – you know, you, that bird's eye view and you figure out what your initiative, what your goal is going to be when you actually arrive at the com- in the community and you meet the right people. You ask them for five people that you should know in the community and you keep doing that until you meet just about everyone or as many people exactly. as you possibly can in three months. And I, Dr. Bones, I think I've never heard it explained any better than that. I think that's incredible. And again, if students are watching this, I mean, or any business people out there watching this, this is fire. This is pure gold. So I'm not sure. We got to share this. We got to share this everywhere. This is incredible. We'll get it around. Yeah. We'll get it around. We got to get this around. So we know some people. That's all right. Yeah. All all these students seem to know, know this stuff. So with that being said, let's go right into now that we are, we are insurance free. (laughs) We are involved in our community, hyper involved. And then. Be sure you're enjoying The Legendary Chiropractor not only on thelegendarychiropractor.com, but also on various social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. Follow us at The Legendary Chiropractor, and on Twitter, follow us at Legendary Chiro. Please engage and participate in conversation, and start any discussions that you feel are necessary for the chiropractic profession to hear and are important enough for all of those in the profession to know about. Thank you for allowing this brief disruption to take place. And now back to the program. Where is this chiropractic profession going? Good, bad, ugly. Huh. Tell me what your thoughts are. I see, you know, the, the, the glistening in your eyes tells me chiropractic is my, my favorite thing in the world. It is. But man, do we just love to shoot each other. <laughs> Yeah. God, right? So go uh, ahead and just talk to me about chiropractic, what your thoughts are. And man, I, I mean, we're over an hour already. It, at this point, it doesn't even matter. This is yeah. this is just stuff that people need gonna to hear. Go. We're going to keep going. We're keep going. Absolutely. They can they can they can uh they can watch it in multiple segments. That's fine. <laughs> um Okay. So this is a very hard question, but my answer is going to be Chiropractic as a profession is going wherever we let it go. 
And I say that because if we don't let it go to shit, it won't. If we let it, it will. Um, and when I say that, I mean look at the attacks that are currently upon us. Look at everything that's happening in Australia with the pediatric care, uh, which I, I unfortunately believe will soon be followed by something hope, you know, probably similar, um, in Canada. Mm. Um, Canadian chiropractors are also under attack as well. Um, just as Australian is. And when I say chiropractors here, I actually mean chiropractors. Um, people who practice chiropractic. Yeah. Uh, which I think is an important delineation to make. Um, because there's a lot of people with chiropractor on their sign who I would not, um, grace them with that title. <laughs> and, there are people who are working to fight for the preservation of chiropractic. Now, we can, we can get into a very long discussion about one's personal philosophy of chiropractic. Uh, but at the end of the day, there is one philosophy of chiropractic, the, the philosophy of chiropractic. And that is that the body is designed intelligently, that we have innate intelligence that controls and regulates every single organ and cell and tissue that's carried through the nervous system via the mental impulse. Vertebral subluxation interferes with our body's ability to communicate that and function properly. And chiropractors are the only ones specifically trained to detect and remove those vertebral subluxations, therefore allowing people to express Health and life, the way they're designed to, which is at 100% uh, and health healthfully. Um, now, there's a lot of people who want to change that. The thing is, is once you change it, it's it's not chiropractic anymore. Like that's that. I mean, that's just the end of the day. Like it's that's fine. You can call it whatever you want, but it's not chiropractic anymore. Uh, and so. We have a lot of people who want to add in different things. And you, there's a million and one reasons for that, man, whether that be because their parents still refer to them as not a real doctor and they want to be able to prescribe drugs so that mom and dad will finally allow them back at Christmas, or if it's revenue-based that they see dollar signs, if their ability to um, do injections in their practice, they can now do prolotherapy, so now they can make more money doing that. Um, at the root of it all, in my opinion, it's purely a lack of, number one, understanding of what it is chiropractic truly does and has to offer people. Um, and then I think that is coupled with in insecurity and a lack of self-confidence in one's ability to build value and deliver the miracle that is the chiropractic adjustment. Yeah. Um, when you have that combination, it makes for kind of a perfect storm of needing to justify, fill, supplement, when in reality the adjustment itself is pure and wonderful and more than enough. And there are more than enough people who are desperately looking for what we have to offer as a chiropractic profession. They just don't necessarily know what we do and how we do it and why we do it yet because there is so much confusion. Um, and so that, you know, we get into this other debate about, well, who cares? Like, let them do their thing. We'll do our thing, right? That's all good and well. Right. 
Until it's not. Until it's not. Uh, <laughs> until until we're passing legislation that changes what we can do and say in our office and takes away the lexicon that has held up and been the basis for our entire profession since 1895. Um, when we are uh, attacked on and limited on what we can write on our websites. I mean, just ask anyone from Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, when we have um, our a public confused because the guy next door says he's a chiropractor, but he prescribes drugs and gives injections, but you said you're a chiropractor. So, but don't don't you prescribe drugs and give injections and everything too? Like I, I don't understand. You know, you know what? There's just too much confusion about this whole chiropractic thing. I, I just I'm not ready. Yeah. Um, a good mentor of mine, Michael Viscarelli, used to say, a confused public does not buy. Right. A confused consumer does not buy. Yeah. If we have confusion in the marketplace, we are going to struggle as a profession across the board. Not just in principled vertebral subluxation-based chiropractic, but across the board. Yeah. Oh. Um, and that's a big issue, man. Yeah. That's a huge issue. Yeah. Uh, we're going to really, really run into trouble with that. And so that is why it's so important that we have some people on the front line fighting to defend vertebral subluxation, our ability to detect and correct, and protecting that message to the public. Right now, the the forefront of that is the IFCO. Yeah. That is one of the reasons that I'm sporting an IFCO shirt. I understand that you are a new member I of the IFCO. I am a brand IFCO. new member. So welcome and congratulations <laughs> to joining the front line of defense for chiropractic. Absolutely. Um, and so thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you can tell I'm a little bit passionate about this topic, too. Um, I... I help head up the student committee. Um, actually, we call ourselves the uh, IFCO Student Strike Force um, <laughs> to help bring the message of the IFCO to students. Um, we're launching more and more clubs on campuses across the country. Um, Life West is our is really our flagship club right now. Um, Heba. Uh, Ahmed is at Life West. She's the student leader there, and she's doing amazing things with the Life West Club, um, growing and growing. And we're seeing students realize that chiropractic's worth fighting for. Principal chiropractic is worth fighting for, and understanding the advantages that comes to that—not just from like a philosophical advantage, but from freaking a marketing advantage. Because you know what's rare in a community? A specific expert of the detection and correction of vertebral subluxation. It is our unique selling proposition because there's a ton of places around me that do, um, you know, they have supplements and they have PT and they have massage therapists and they have this and they have that and colon blow and about every other damn thing. <laughs> when people come to my practice, I tell them I do one thing. I do it better than anybody else around here. And that is take care of your spine and your nervous system. Mm-hmm. That is what I do. And do you know what? That's what they want. Yeah. When it comes to their freaking spine you know what people don't want? A dude who does 15 things half-assed. Yeah. Or one-fifteenth-assed. <laughs> um, and so the IFCO is doing the work, the dirty work, if you will, behind the scenes to help protect our, our right and our privilege as a profession 
to detect and correct vertebral subluxation. So I highly encourage anybody who is on that mission to plug in with the IFCO, um, go to the website, go to the Facebook page. Um, on my page, like I'll share, I'll have links to it and everything, and uh, I'll, I'll give you any and all resources that you could possibly want, as will Steve Tullius, as will Liam, as will Jen Steinberg, as will Sean Dill, as will so many others that are a part of this who are trying to fight the good fight for the future of our profession. Because like I said, it's going to go the way we let it go. Yeah. If you think it doesn't affect you, if you think politics doesn't affect you, you're wrong. Like <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I wish that I could be softer about that, but you're, you're just wrong. You know, if you think it doesn't affect me and my practice, you're, you're wrong because decisions are being made. Mm-hmm. And as Walt Bones used to say, if you're not at the table, you're probably on the menu. Yep. And so we gotta be taking an initiative to be in these boardrooms at these discussions, helping shape policy to protect and preserve the future of chiropractic rather than just letting it go and burying our heads in the sand and just, you know, I just take care of people in my practice, man. Yeah, You do until you can't anymore because you can't see kids because they passed a, a ban on pediatric chiropractic in your state. Right. And yeah. if you don't think that shit is like, that's where it's going, you're wrong. It's going there. And so if, if you're not getting up in arms now, that's fine. Find somebody who is and give them some support that they need. Yeah. That might just be going to an event or sending out a mailer or emailing your list of friends or sharing this video or whatever it might be. If you're not ready to go knock on doors of senators, that's fine. Just join the IFCO and pay the small due that it is, and we'll go freaking knock on doors of senators for you. But support is conditional, yeah. not just for us from you, but also for you from your state and from your organization and from, from the rest of the leaders of the profession. So absolutely. Uh, here, here. Yeah. Here, here. Yeah. And it's, it, it, it's $50. <laughs> I was on, I was on a call with Dr. Liam Schubel and it's 50 bucks for a student and you're for your whole time, the whole entire time you're a student, it's $50. Yeah. There's, totally. there's no, <laughs> like you buy, you buy a two weeks worth of Starbucks and that's like almost 50 bucks. Like yeah, you, Put your money where your mouth is and start start acting, you know, to protect what we have. And if we're going to support the schools, like Dr. Liam Schubel says, you, you support education, you support research, and you support politics. And that's exact. Those are the exact. Getting up in arms now, that's fine. Find somebody who is and give them some support that they need. Yeah. That might just be going to an event or sending out a mailer or emailing your list of friends or sharing this video or whatever it might be. If you're not ready to go knock on doors of senators, that's fine. Just join the IFCO and pay the small due that it is, and we'll go freaking knock on doors of senators for you. But support is conditional, yeah. not just for us from you, but also for you from your state and from your organization and from, from the rest of the leaders of the profession. So absolutely uh, here, here, yeah. here, here. Yeah. And it's, it, it, it's $50. <laughs> I was on, I was on a call with Dr. Liam Schubel and it's 50 bucks for a student and you're for your whole time, the whole entire time you're a student, it's $50. Yeah. There's, totally. there's no, <laughs> like you buy, you buy a two weeks worth of Starbucks and that's like almost 50 bucks. Like yeah. you, you Put your money where your mouth is and start start acting, you know, to protect what we have. And if we're going to support the schools, like Dr. Liam Schubel says, you, you support education, you support research, and you support politics. And that's exact. Those are the exact three things 
where your money needs to go if you want to see chiropractic advance in the right direction. And I think you're absolutely right, Dr. Bones. It it has to come down to, you know, you'll stand, you, you got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. And that's, that's the premise Amen. of it all. And it, it's so, so true because, you know, all of these chiropractors and even chiropractic students are going to sit back and they're going to do nothing. Right. And, and we're going to, we're going to sit here right. and we're, cause what we're, are they going to do? I'm a, I'm a student. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a student. I'm not involved in politics. It, oh, you're, you're more involved in politics as yeah. a student. If anything, like it's ridiculous. And if you're not aware of this, you, you got to start to be so, um, students, I encourage you to get out there, talk to me, message me about the IFCO. I mean, whatever organization ICA, I mean, whatever you want to commit to something, Stand for something because it, it's going to be taken away for, from us soon. And like you were saying, it's going to sweep the nation and it's going to be a problem. And we have to be, you have to have money to support those that are willing to be on the front lines to stop yeah. what is to come. And it's, it's inevitable. Amen. Right? And that's, to be honest, one of the reasons that I am so passionate about helping make students successful is selfishly because the more successful chiropractors we have, the more money we have to go towards funding for political organizations, for lobbyists to help make change in our favor, Yeah. to, to go back to research, to go back to schools. Successful chiropractors help the success of chiropractic. Yeah. It's not just, hey man, you're gonna make a whole bunch of money, you're gonna save it in your bank account, and you're gonna go retire, and right. you're gonna sit on the beach. Right. I mean, well, I, you can, but you're not helping anybody bigger than yourself. Exactly. Um, and that's gonna get really lonely really fast. But successful chiropractors are good for the success of the profession. And that's one of my biggest drives and passions for students is to help make more of them. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate the work you're doing. Um, and also to go along with uh, what you were saying about, you know, you got one fifteenth of the doctor, you know, <laughs> or you just half, you got a half ass doctor or a half ass care. And it's, it comes down to, you know, the adjustment. I've talked to several people on this topic on this podcast, because it's that important, the adjustment is enough. I mean, it, it it's enough. It's fine. Yes. It, it's it's okay because, like it's you said, enough. people <laughs> want it. People yes. want the adjustment. They, they want they want a a biomechanical problem solved by a biomechanical solution, and that is <laughs> that is exactly what what needs to happen. And I was, I actually just read that from Dr. Craig Burns. If you know who he is, he's with like lifestyle something. Um, but he's awesome. And he said, I, I see people all the time, you know, we're delivering a biomechanical solution to a biomechanical problem. It's exactly what we need to do. And it's exactly what people want. And it's so, so, so true. So doc, thank you for that. Let's talk now about Cairo sushi Students, Cairo Sushi Secrets, Cairo Sushi Summer Camp, whatever Cairo Sushi stuff you got, lay it on us. Okay. All right. You bet, man. I already mentioned Summer Camp. Yes. Um, if you can get there, I cannot encourage you enough to do that. Uh, go to www.cometosummercamp.com and you will learn all about it. You will see who is speaking. Um, just follow Tristan Schaub on Facebook. Um, follow Sean Dill, Lacey Book. Those guys, they're, they're talking a lot about it. Follow Kyra Sushi, obviously, not just for the memes, but for all the incredible content that uh, we're putting out. On top of that, from a student perspective, um, my wife Cassidy and I, along with Tristan and Sean and Lacey, uh, have been working a lot behind the scenes to help prepare to launch a student program, a student initiative. 
uh, we're going to be coming to campuses all around the country. And we're going to be helping to seed and start up clubs on campus called The Club uh, that will help students be more successful from the business standpoint, from the entrepreneurial standpoint, from the sales standpoint, the marketing standpoint. Uh, everything that you don't get, we're going to fill that gap. Yeah. And so we're going to do it in a way that nobody else is doing it because we have looked at everybody else and how they're trying to do it. And we tried to identify every single blind spot because really it's all complimentary. Yeah. Frankly, like we're big believers in collaboration and we want, we want everybody out there trying to help students to be helping students in our own way. Yeah. Because in our opinion, there's no one right way to do everything. There is your right way to do something. Yep. And rather than give you how to do it, we want to enable you to understand it and be successful in how you want to do it. And so that is what the entire premise of the club will be all about. Um, we are currently still in contact with, but also looking for potential student leaders across the country. So if you are at a school and you want to be more successful and see your, your peers be more successful and you're interested in possibly talking to us about what it might take to start that at your school, please message me and we will get in touch very quickly and we will find out what we can do to help you be the most successful version of yourself. Um, on top of that, we have more plans coming to support students even farther, both in on campus, off campus, in school, out of school, and after, to make sure we have the most successful chiropractic generation the world has ever seen. Yeah, absolutely, Doc. Wow. I love it. I love it. I love uh, Cairo Sushi. Everything you guys do, you guys are great. The memes are hilarious. Um, I, 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 you can't get enough. You can't ever get enough. Um, especially as a chiropractic student, but I love your initiative. I love your program. I love what you guys are going to do because, I mean, the, the people you listed, you, Tristan, Sean, Lacey, I mean, all of you being incredible human beings, wanting the best out of the best from every single person, and that including the students. Because to me, and, and I see this in you, obviously, it, it's the students need to come first. And, you know, it's, you know, we always say, oh, we're, we eat our young in this profession. I don't think that's necessarily true, but what happens is the students get neglected and, you know, we get, we get caught in the, in the, in the grinder and then we get spit out. And then yes. all of a sudden we're like looking back at each other, like, oh God, where do I even go from here? <laughs> like, I don't know how to open a practice. I don't know how to run a business. I don't know how to apply for a business license. I don't know what finances are. I don't know what insurance is like. And exactly. you have all of these things that are just blowing your head. But you know what? You passed part one, two, three, four, and PT, and you passed all of your classes, but you have no idea what to do when you actually need to become a chiropractor. So, exactly. <laughs> to say the least, exactly. a and program that's, that's is why, needed. <laughs> and that's why students are falling into bad associateships yes. with bad mentors and bad positions because they're not empowered to do it on their own yes. and they don't even know to recognize a problem. Right. Man, so that's why we want to help students be empowered to be their own master yes. and to have the power to do what they want to do the way they want to do it and not need necessarily to, to rely on anyone else besides themselves. Right, right. Absolutely, Doc. Well, that is all four of our topics. I mean, it, it took an hour and 22 seconds or 22 minutes and 50 seconds to get through all that. I mean, if you don't watch the, if you watch this entire video 
I congratulate you. I thank you from the bottom of my heart, and I know Dr. Bones does as well. And I, I encourage you to reach out to him. Doc, I, wanna, I want you to leave people with some closing remarks and some action steps of how to get in touch with yourself or Tristan or Cairo Sushi yeah. um, and whatnot because I want people to have some resources to attach to. You bet. Um, so first of all, I mean, uh, if you're seeing this, you can find me on Facebook. Um, if you want a friend request me, that's awesome. If you just want to follow me, message me on Facebook, that is all fine. Instagram is at beyond underscore bones. Find me, follow me on Instagram. Uh, send me a message on there. That's great. My email is bones at kairosushi.com. If you have questions about summer camp, I would direct you, direct you to Tristan at kairosushi.com. He has a lot of the answers there. Um, if you're a student interested in the program or the club or anything, message me. Happy to give you any and all information that we have at this time right now and, and let you know how you can get plugged in with that. Um, otherwise, everything else, man, it's 2019. I trust people can find us on the internet. Um, but as far as closing remarks, um, I want to speak directly to the students um, when I say massive success is absolutely possible for you right out of school. But I encourage you to define what success looks like to you because it is no one else's decision to say what your success is. If that means seeing a thousand a week, great. If that's 200 a week, but it's all cash and you make 10 times what the guy taking insurance and seeing a thousand a week sees, great. If that means you want to be open one day a week and raise your family and do and, and, and travel and speak and mentor and also see people, great. Nobody gets to decide for you what your success looks like. Only you can decide that. But it is going to take some deep reflection to ask yourself, why is that success for me? What does my success look like and why am I striving towards that? Like you have a mission statement for your practice or a vision statement for your practice, have a mission statement and a vision statement for your life. And as Sean and Lacey would say, for your relationships, for your significant other. Know where you're going. Because yeah. if you don't, you'll probably end up somewhere else. <laughs> Yogi Berra said that. Uh, and set those waypoints and those destinations and then work your ass off until you get there. Yeah. Becoming out, Going through school is not easy. Graduating, coming out, and opening a practice or starting as an associate, it's not easy. <laughs> but it's worth it. Right, right. And so work your ass off. You get to be a part of the best profession in the entire world and do the amazing Remove subluxation, allow people's bodies to function the way they're designed to function so you can give them their life back. You save lives in this profession. And I know it may be cliche, but damn, it's true, especially once you get into practice and you see it. It's so worth it. Yeah. So work hard, get there, define success for yourself, and make it happen. Awesome. I love those closing remarks, Doc. Thank you. I'm going to do a quick shameless plug here. Um, hopefully, if anyone sees this video, they'll hear your closing remarks and they'll hear my shameless plug. But if not, they'll get amazing content if they watch anything else. So with that being said, Doc, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Again, this is Dr. Ryan Bones. We talked all about how students are getting more involved and need to be more involved in this profession. We talked about the IFCO, Cairo Sushi, where this profession and crazy profession is going and how to get um, how to market yourself in your community prior to even getting there as well as pros and cons of insurance. This is all here brought to you on the legendary chiropractor 
podcast, the Chiropractic Compass podcast, and Facebook Lives. And with that being said, I want to encourage you, if you are a chiropractor watching this, or a doctor, or an office manager, whatever it might be for a chiropractor, please head to our website, postachiropracticjob.com right now to post your next chiropractic job advert with us on The Legendary Chiropractor. So with all of that behind us, with everything, Doc, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'm so excited for you guys to rock out. I unfortunately cannot make it to Cairo Sushi. I will be studying for part two, part three, and PT. <laughs> but I, I will catch as many Facebook Lives as I possibly can because I know there will be a ton of online content streamed through Jim Chester, through Tristan, yep. through you. Yep. I mean, I, I yep. follow all of you guys anyways. So um, I thank you. I thank, you know, Dr. Sean and Lacey and Tristan for all they're doing at Cairo Sushi. You guys are doing amazing things, moving this forward, moving this profession forward and in the right direction, not just forward, you know, aimlessly plugging away at things. You guys have a mission. Thanks. You have a goal. And that's what this is all about. So thanks for being on with me for an hour and a half tonight. Woo! This is the longest podcast we have ever done, but it was the most important podcast because there are plenty of things that need to be heard, need to be heard Amen. by students, Woo! doctors. I, I mean, it's just got to be heard. Play this over <laughs> and over and over again. <laughs> I love it, Doc. Thank Thanks you for, for being on. Me, Have a great, great evening and um, enjoy uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. <laughs> I will. Thanks so much for having me on, man. Thanks for doing what you're doing for the students and for this profession. Proud of you, man. Absolutely. Thank you. That means a lot to me. Again, this is Johnny Ruder, your Chiropractic Compass podcast host brought to you by the Legendary Chiropractor online community, the go-to site for prospective chiropractic students, current chiropractic students, and doctors out in the field. Stay tuned on various social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at The Legendary Chiropractor, for when more podcasts will be released and when the next episode is going to come out. Thanks for joining us. This is Johnny Rue, signing off.